Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our podcast. My name is Kendall. My name is Esther. I'm Leah. And I'm Susan. Welcome to another episode. We hope everyone is doing well. Today, we will be discussing women's rights around the world. We are also joined with Saba Merzad, founder of the Iranian American Youth Group and iFeminist. Would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners? Hi, um, I'm Saba. Um, thanks for listening. Um, I'm excited to have this conversation um, with everyone here. Um, if you've been following the news, you know that there is um, a huge wave of protests going on in Iran now, led by mostly young women. So as an Iranian American, I'm very um, I'm very proud of the, the young Iranian women that are leading the charge. And I'm looking forward to this discussion. Amazing. Thank you. And for the listeners who don't know already, Gina Masa Amini was detained in Tehran by the morality police for not allegedly for allegedly not covering her hair. And this broke out in demonstrations after she died in police custody on September 16th. She was arrested for um, violating Iran's strict Islamic dress code for requiring women to wear headscarves. And um, Saba, we wanted to start off with a discussion on how you are personally impacted by her death. And could you give us a little bit about how it impacted you? Yeah. Um, obviously, I didn't personally know Gina Massa, um, but I have grown up hearing stories about young women who experienced um, similar hardships, specifically during the Iranian Revolution. Um, my immediate family hasn't been back in Iran um, since the revolution, and nor have I. So I something that I've also grappled with as a proud Iranian American is that I don't know the culture of today in Iran. I know the culture of 40 years ago when my parents were there. So, but unfortunately, history repeats itself, and we've seen that so many times. Um, Specifically, I grew up hearing about my dad's neighbor um, who went um, when Khomeini, um, the person who led the Iranian revolution, came into power. My dad's neighbor um, went to protest and my grandma had actually told her that she shouldn't go out because she would get killed. And she had replied that she needs to go out and protest and fight for her rights because otherwise the Iranian government will go into people's homes and control what people do with their personal lives. And unfortunately that day she was detained and killed. And so I think this is, and she was, she was my age. So it's crazy to think that generations of Iranian people can tell the same exact story. Um, and so when I heard about Gina Massa's death, I wasn't really surprised because this is just something that I think a lot of Iranians have come to expect from this government. Um, and but I am very, very proud of the Iranian women um, that have stood up against this regime in response. Um, I personally was very, very upset. Um, obviously, it's not not a happy situation when a young woman is killed just because she showed a piece of hair underneath her headscarf and did like showed less of her hair and less of her body than I show in my everyday life. Um, so that was really, really upsetting. Um, but at the same time, um, I, I think it really just showed the strength of the Iranian people who have been continuing to protest for a couple of weeks now in response. 
um, and specifically the strength of Iranian women um, who are leading this these these weeks of protests. Um, for me, I wanted to know what I could do as someone who's never been to Iran, who's not who has no immediate plans to go to Iran, who doesn't even have family there anymore, what I can do. And I, I learned that a lot of the Iranian women um, and protesters are just asking the international community to be their voice, especially as they're being silenced um, with internet shutdowns. So, Hello. yeah, so, I'm so sorry. I just have a quick question for you. So can yeah. I ask you while you're, while you're going down this road. Yeah. What do you think is different? Just your personal opinion. What do you think is different this time? Like you rightfully point out, and I think it's a misconception about Iran and other places in the world. There's been this tug back and forth between progress and then being pulled back by different sort of factions. What do you think is different this time? Why do you think that um, people are paying attention? It's not to say that folks haven't protested before. Certainly they've been doing that for a very long time. But in terms of the attention that this is drawing. Um, you rightfully point out also that young women and young men have been killed for many years. So this isn't, unfortunately it's tragic, but it's not something new. Um, what is? What do you think is the, the factor here that is really getting people to pay attention? Is it the point in time or what do you think is, is really bringing about the type of attention that this is getting? Yeah, I think there's a lot of factors. Um, firstly, I'd probably say the internet. I think the story of Gina Massa had proliferated through social media. Um, and Iranians are pretty internet savvy, even though that there are even though there are some restrictions normally. Um, so I know that that definitely plays a part. And it, it, it brings me back to the 2009 Green Revolution, where a lot of Iranians were also protesting at the time. Um, I don't know how much you all know about that, but um, basically a group of uh, or Iranian protesters um, there was an election in 2009 um, and the Iran, like the Iranian government, basically people had believed and I'm pretty sure that there was proof that a certain candidate that was more progressive had won. But meanwhile, another candidate was put into power instead. And so that launched a whole wave of revolutions. But I think what's different now is that Internet is much stronger. And also at the same time, I think now it's just the demographics are way different. Now it's a lot of young, young girls, school girls that are leading the charge. Um, and I don't, I honestly think it's also just like the international support at the same time. There weren't many rallies in support or in solidarity for the Green Revolution back in the day, because that's not really pertinent to people's daily lives, really. But even though democracy um, and elections are very relevant to people's lives, especially in America. But I don't think people felt that personal connection that they did with seeing Gina Massa's death and those explicit pictures of her in the hospital and um, post being detained. Um, so I also think it's just like outside forces and attention from different governments and from different people outside of Iran that are also feeling fire. I was speaking to my friend who recently moved from Iran to the U.S., um, and she was saying that with the Internet shutdowns, um, the protests are starting to die down a little bit. Um, and also, obviously, the the unfortunate government crackdowns on people that are protesting. Um, so what I think now is feeling the fire in the media is the international protests um, and the outcries and the op-eds and everything that's being put out in the media. Um, and but I do know that there are protests still continuing in Iran. 
I think honestly, Iranians are very savvy people and have dealt with a lot of restrictions forever. So I'm hoping and I'm pretty sure that they're dealing with these internet restrictions and still being able to come together and protest for their rights. Yeah, but, I sort of like I connecting to Leah's question, Saba. Um, do you feel, I mean, th- there's no crystal ball that anybody could look into, but is there a feeling this time that this will continue even in spite of the crackdowns that they're, they're not going to back down this time, that they will con- continue to um, protest and continue to make their voices heard? Do you think this is different? I hope it's different. Um, I think, honestly, it's just showing the resilience in the Iranian people. And the protesters now are very, very resilient. I'm pretty sure hundreds of people have died and they're still continuing with the protests. So I'm hoping that this will be different and this will continue until there is some sort of change or, or the demands of the protesters are being met. But it feels different, but I think I don't know if it's feeling different to me because more people are paying attention or if it's actually a different thing. So I'm I'm hoping that it's genuinely going to cause a positive change in Iran, um, but who knows? Hopefully. And Saba, you mentioned before about how our social media and just the media in general is just having a lot of support and attention to it, and a lot of international support as well. I. For me, I got the information about Gina Massa through social media and hearing about her death through social media, through my friends posting about it, through friends sending me articles. Do you think that those social media posts and what's out there on the internet right now reflects um, what is really going on in Iran right now? Do you think that's like a good way for people to receive information about Iran right now? I get wary about saying that social media is the best place to receive accurate information, considering all of the misinformation that's being spread on social media. Um, I don't know if it's the best place. I definitely think it is a it's a, a place to receive communication. Um, but I don't know how many protesters are actually being or, or directly active on Instagram. I'd always assumed or on different social medias. I had just assumed that they were sending videos to relatives who would then post online. Um, I do think, though, like a huge benefit of social media is that more people are hearing about this. And unfortunately, due to the situation and due to sanctions and all of the international muddling, we can't donate to protesters in Iran. Um, Petitions are probably not going to do much. So what is there to do is really just to post publicize what's going on to be their voice and to to persuade um, our government officials and our leaders to make public statements in support of the protesters and hopefully from there be able to use their power to to change. So I do think social media is a great place um, for people that are in support, protesters, family members of protesters to put out information, to put out videos. Um, but I don't know if it's the best place to receive accurate information. But then that goes into a deeper question of, will we ever receive accurate information? Like, for example, regarding the death of protesters, will we ever know a real number? Probably not. So I do think, though, it's been very, very helpful. And and also rallies and protest information outside of Iran are being shared on social media, which allows more people to be involved. So when I organized a rally here at Harvard, that's how we got people to come and people from Boston and outside the Cambridge area came as well. So it's also a really good organizing tool, I'd say. What was the response to um, the organization of the rally? Like, you know, did, did people show up? Yeah. 
we had, I think, like 100 people show up. Um, and most of the advertising we did was just through posting on social media and then sending to emails um, e- emails within the Harvard system, but not to outside of Boston. So something that I noticed is that a lot of Iranians are in different groups with Iranians or online groups with Iranians in, the, in their specific areas. So that's where information got shared for the protest. But it seemed to have been received really well. What was the outcome? Can you talk about that? Like, what was your intention? Like you organized a rally. Was it just to bring awareness to the situation? Was it to try and figure out whether there was something that can be done, you know, in regard to the situation? I think first and foremost was definitely to to get public attention and to be the voice of Iranian women. Um, And then also just a call to action for um, the Harvard administration. Um, I think a lot of students here are cognizant that Harvard has a big voice. So if our president makes a statement, it will go around. Um, and Iranians are especially value education a lot. And we have a lot of Iranians that come to Harvard. Um, so we knew that a statement from our administration would be valuable, which unfortunately we have not had yet. Um, and then also, I think it was just to be a place where Iranians in the area can come together in support of Um, Iranian protesters um, and to show up and to hear from speakers or to be a speaker and and share their personal experiences but mostly just solidarity and asking the Harvard administration to to release a statement and they have not yet to date I don't think so do you believe that they're going to I hope so. I don't see what the problem would be. I don't think it's that controversial of an issue for them not to release a statement, but I don't see why there hasn't been. Someone I'd spoke to had said that the the president had had responded to an email that they'd sent or something like that, but they haven't received the like president's office hasn't sent out a university wide statement, which they have done for issues in the past. So I'm hoping that will be done. But for example, like Michelle and Barack Obama released a statement like two days ago or yesterday. I don't think it's, I don't think it's that controversial of an issue. It's just human rights. Mm-hmm. And I think that what we're experiencing right now in our country is women's rights being taken away. We can see that with Roe versus Wade as well. And um, especially with the death of Gina Massa, Massa, we can see like how women's rights around the world are being impacted. And it's not really a, issue that we're seeing overnight it's a reoccurring issue in our history and I think it's just really shocking and I'm not even surprised at this point that these issues keep on happening because it's just continuous and I'm so frustrated about it um I just wanted to know Saba um I know you're part the founder of your the Iranian youth group how can groups like those help um convey education throughout others um I think that's a tough question just because it, it it depends on the type of education that we want to spread. I think um, in terms of forcing women um, to put on clothes that they don't want to put on or to not be able to receive proper health care, um, that type of thing in terms of controlling women's bodies, um, I think it starts I think it starts from the very beginning. Um, I, that's normally how I would prefer our education system to change is just from the very beginning and to to instill in our in young minds that um, everyone is an autonomous being. Um, but at the same time, it like 
it becomes a little bit more complex on how to explain to young children that women have the right to an abortion when they don't even know what an abortion is or don't know how children are made and all that stuff. So being able to convey these um, some like these somewhat more complex um, ideas in a more simple way for young minds to learn and then going forward, be able to go through life knowing that it's not okay to control people's bodies, whether that be through a veil or through a medical procedure. Um, so I definitely think that there's a lot to change within educational systems. Um, and with specific organizations and groups, I think it's more of just um, exposing personal stories. With the Iranian American Youth Group, we have some kids that were born in Iran and moved to the US. Um, so they've seen firsthand, and they have firsthand accounts of, of what's going on in Iran and how the government is controlling women's bodies. But then at the same time, that's not just happening in Iran. And I think that's something important to, to show. And it's happening across the world. Um, in Like I'm in India, I'm pretty sure they're forcing women to not wear a veil. Um, in France, they don't allow women, or there's a lot of restrictions on women who would like to wear a hijab. Um, so I think it's just, I think it starts young um, and just proving that regardless of what someone looks like, what their gender identity is, where they come from, where their family comes from, it's not okay to control anyone. Um, but I think it has to start young. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, Saba, how do you think that this event can be viewed as a turning point to women all over the world? Um, I definitely think it's the most explicit way um, to show that no one, especially governments, don't have a right to control women's bodies. I don't know if you guys have seen, but there have been some pretty graphic images of women like not, not not necessarily graphic in a bad way, but women cutting their hair off um, in solidarity um, or women taking off their veils um, and just a lot of images. And I think with a cloth or with a piece of clothing, it's it's easier to convey that it's being it's covering women, it's controlling women. Um, and so I'm hoping that these images um, and these graphic videos of protesters being hurt um and just all the information that's out there is is able to um inspire other women that are also facing oppressive systems to rise up against it as well but i i do think something that this movement um in iran and the and the protests have been like i think have been super successful in international communities just because of how pertinent the images are and how much the images that we've seen convey to other people like how much they can convey. Um, and that might just be a photograph a photographer's um, intention or fault. But I think we've all seen very similar pictures of like politicians cutting their hair or like protesters holding Gina Massa's portrait. Um, so I think there with this, I think it just shows that there are there are some explicit ways that women are being controlled with a veil, but there are also some inexplicit ways that women are also being controlled. I think, Sabah, you bring up a good point, because I remember, I don't know if uh, everyone else saw the imagery, but the Belgian foreign minister, I think it was, cut her hair in parliament. Um, yeah. And, you know, Kendall, your question brings up a really good point. When we say a turning point, we're not necessarily um, advocating 
I guess for me, like we're not advocating against religion. I think it's just freedom generally. So there will be women or folks that want to dress a certain way or conduct themselves a certain way in deference to their religion. And I think um, important messaging is to say, we're not looking to prescribe for people how they behave or how they dress or what they do, but more so we're advocating for people's freedom of choice generally. You have the ability, if you want to wear a hijab, if you know if that is meaningful to you, that you have the freedom to do that, the same way that if you don't want to, you also have the same freedom. Um, and I guess what's what's interesting to me, and like this is this is probably a more difficult question to sort of tackle, but is that we talk a lot about um, women's choice. And when I look at a lot of the ways in which women are being controlled, it's so funny because there is this certain element to whether it's based on religious ideology or completely outside of religious ideology. There's this idea that women have to prescribe to certain actions or do, you know, exhibit certain behavior, because if not, then they're somehow impacting the men that surround them. And it's not to say we've discussed many times on this podcast about men being allies. Um, but I guess so my question is, how do we because it's so important that this is not um um, this is not a movement of just women, right? Like, it, I think it's really important that if we're going to be successful in moving this thing forward, like Kendall said, really reinforcing this as a turning point, the only way we're going to do that is if that if this is really a community effort. Um, oh. Certainly, we have to teach women and we have to move women forward. And I'm certainly passionate about that cause. But Saba, in your experience, how do you think we make this issue meaningful, not just to women, but to men and to take as Kendall rightfully, you know, identified at a turning point and make it meaningful to men and women uh, and and folks who identify, you know, as gender neutral. But how do we make this a community or a world issue rather than just an issue of for women? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Um, I totally agree with you. I don't think movements can be can be able to create tangible change if we don't have have men as well um at the forefront or fighting alongside us um and I think for example like at the rally that I helped organize here there was a lot of um male friends men that were here that were in support that were chanting um and so I think honestly um it though um it is at the forefront a women's rights issue um, where women are being forced to wear hijab and they don't have the same opportunities as other men in Iran. I think one thing is that um, people that are protesting in Iran that are men, I acknowledge that it's their it's their sisters, it's their daughters, it's their wives, it's their mothers, it's their grandmas, it's their aunts, it's members of their family that are being directly affected by by the government's control. Um, and I think like when though it. Gina Masso probably wasn't many people's sister or aunt or grandma or mom, whatever. I think people can really identify with her being such such a seemingly normal person um, and just being picked off the street and eventually killed. And so I think that men that are in solidarity with these types of movements probably see their family members as well. Um, or see their family members being affected. And I think also in terms of just framing of the movement, I don't, I honestly think it's, it's a human rights issue. It's obviously a women's rights issue, but it's also very much a human right, human's rights issue. And I think like, in general, um, life in Iran could be, could, 
be positively changed for everyone, not necessarily just women, though there would be a lot of benefits um, if the regime makes a change. So for women. So um, I do think, though, like in order to get a lot of men to be personally impacted, though they are not forced to wear a hijab and have many more freedoms than Iranian women, it needs to be framed as something that that can affect their direct family and their loved ones. And also that it's just, it's a human rights issue. They could be next or an ethnic group that also in includes men can be next. Like for example, Gina Massa was Kurdish. So Kurdish Kurdish people are a historically oppressed group in Iran, um, including men. Men in Iran that are Kurdish have been oppressed or, or Zoroastrian people in Iran who can't live freely um, have been oppressed. And I know many Zoroastrian people in America who can't go back to Iran because of their religion. So um, I think just framing, but I don't think it needs, to, the framing needs to change. I just think more people need to see that it's a human rights issue as well as a women's rights issue. I, you know, I noticed, I'm, you know, again, you know, I don't know what's true and what's not true, you know, because of the news and media and, and yeah. the way they put things. But I did know that um, the oil workers, the the men working in the oil fields have now joined the protest. And okay. I don't know to what degree that they have, but um, is it is it a possibility that the this woman's protest has, you know, kind of like lit a fire under people and um, that it could ignite more and more groups of people to to join the process. I mean, you know, we're making predictions that may or may not come true. I just wondered, yeah. like, you know, what what you thought about, you know, more people jumping in and, and signing on to help here. Yeah, I I would love if more people signed up signed on to help. I know, I know the men's soccer team, they cover the Iranian men's soccer team covered the Iranian flag at a game um, in solidarity with protesters. So I hope Did they also wear black uniforms. I think they were black and they, they covered the, the flag. And mm -hmm. I hope, I hope they're okay. I really hope they are and their team and their administrators are okay. Um, but I know that there are a lot of, a, a lot of men in the fight. And I think um, I'm hoping that more people um, within Iranian society will join on as well. Um, and I also think like it just sparks from a lot of frustration. Economically, Iran is not doing so well, even though Iran has so many natural resources and there's a big and there's obviously oligarchs and people that are doing very well. But I think for the majority of people, they're not doing economically well. And I wouldn't be surprised if there were frustrations. But at the same time, like, crippling an economy isn't necessarily going to cause everyone to to protest it might just de-energize them but um i think people are generally frustrated and then when they see people when they see hundreds of people being killed on the streets or or when they see people being killed right in front of their eyes then i think it does light a fire i've seen videos of people of bystanders literally watching someone being a being attacked um and they're not even involved i saw a text that my friend had received of her family member saying that someone was killed in front of her eyes like when you when you see these types of graphic imagery in front of you that doesn't even feel real i'm i would be very surprised if people weren't energized so i'm hoping that more members of the iranian society will be energized to go out um and uh, hopefully and go out in groups because there is power in numbers so how can people who don't specifically relate to this issue, still stand in solidarity and still yeah. support. 
I think honestly, like we need Iranians are asking people that that aren't in Iran, that are in other countries that aren't necessarily Iranian to help amplify their voice. And though at the forefront of rallies, there are people of Iranian descent because they're more likely to be connected with the issue they're organizing. Um, I do think that it is essential of people from all different backgrounds in all different places, from all different countries to be able to participate in these. So I think there, ha- there have been nationwide rallies. I'd recommend people to go to those and just listen to people speak. Um, it's mostly just marching and chanting, nothing intimidating at all. So I would recommend people to, to, to look and see if there's anything going on in their area. You can check Facebook, Instagram. I know that there's a lot of big accounts on social media that have been publicizing um, protests. I know like Persian Girls United, Middle East Matters. Those big pages have been publicizing protests or just Persian at Persian on Instagram as well. Um, And I think also just talking about it with your family um, and talking about it with your friends, talking about it at school. It's real. like, unfortunately, it's it's a weird situation where we can't really donate. Um, There aren't resources to send over. There aren't petitions that are going to be doing anything. Rather, protesters are asking us to be their voice. So anyone anyone can be the voice i think amplify your Iran, iranian women's voices um and also be there to share their stories so i think everyone from all backgrounds should be involved otherwise it won't be successful and i think even some of the stories you're telling us about i think sometimes when these things happen anywhere we tend to sanitize even though our media can be really horrifying sometimes when it comes to these really important stories they're sort of sanitized so okay. in other words we don't talk as much about the graphic things that are going on. We don't discuss it in explicit detail because, you know, that makes people uncomfortable. Um, And a big part of what we do here is discussing things that are uncomfortable. And I think that these movements are essentially fueled by that level of discomfort to shake things up and make people uncomfortable and disrupt so that they're prompted to make changes. Um, And I think even the stories like I think for all of us, I feel privileged and for our listeners to be able to hear the stories that you've shared. There's no glory in them. I think they're tragic. And honestly, it aggrieves me to hear them. But I also think it's important to even imagine um, we were speaking earlier as a group and, you know, Kendall's an accomplished athlete and, and, and very accomplished in her academia, as is Esther. And I think I look and think they have the freedom to do these things, to study what they want in school and be brilliant young women and do all these things. And we take these things for granted sometimes. And mm-hmm. and I think it's really important to hear the truth of what it means to be a young woman or a young man and see someone killed right in front of you. And, and we don't, we're very fortunate that we often don't have that experience. But I think to hear that will maybe prompt some people to spring into action and do something. Um, And along those lines, I guess I would ask you, are there specific, um, it sounds like your group is doing good things. Are there any organizations you might recommend to us that um, people could pay attention to or plug into to get information or to spread sort of accurate information about what's going on? Yeah, I know. I know Amnesty International, it, it has a has a widespread petition not really sure on the specifics because I don't know if the Islamic Republic would care about an Amnesty International petition, to be completely honest. But I do know that people just don't know what to do. So definitely go there. Um, I I know that 
I honestly, I'm not sure if there's any like specific news outlets that are on the ground like, getting specific counts. Um, but I do think like just look at reliable news networks um, and news sources. Um, I think fact check too. I know that's like very broad advice to give, especially because we're always saying there's misinformation out there. Make sure you fact check. But seriously, like there are different numbers out there. There are different stories out there. Um, so, I, and like there are, have been a lot of graphic images being shared online um, about specific people and their families. So before sharing about like someone's horrific story, maybe make sure that it's not misinformation being spread online. Um, and yeah, I think honestly, like nothing specifically comes to mind because I've just been seeing a lot of different articles from different news sources. But uh, in terms of organizations, there are a lot of like social media accounts. The problem is, is that there's not much to do other than to amplify. So on social media, there's a couple of accounts. I know like at Persian, at Middle East Matters, at Persian Girls United, they've been posting a lot. But um, other than that, just make sure before sharing, especially if it's about someone's someone or about someone's family, just to, to fact check and make sure you're not sharing um, potentially defamatory or horrific stories about people online. One of the things that I I, I have been seeing is um, acts of unbelievable courage, you know, and that's kind of like the flip side. So yeah. the, the picture of a group of young um, female Iranian students, it was definitely all girls and you didn't see their faces. And I certainly understand why they wouldn't do that, but they were facing like the blackboard and all their hands were up and they were all given the middle finger. And there was something about that that was so incredibly courageous to me. And I guess, I guess that's the question I would raise to any one of us is like, I think to myself, I don't have the experience of being oppressed like that. And I, I wonder how much courage it takes to stand up to a regime that doesn't even bat an eye in murdering people. Like the level of courage that it takes to really stand up and know that there's nobody out there for you. Like you're going it alone in a sense, you know, you have to hope that your fellow country men and women are going to like join you. But these are young women who are risking their lives to try and, you know, just get some basic human rights, you know? And I, I think the whole notion of courage, you know, like as, as, as young women, you know, Esther and, and Sarah and, and Kendall, you know, do we, do we, do we have to show courage like that in our lives? You know, like, are, are we ever challenged, you know, to show any kind of courage at all, you know, and how does that, how, how does that manifest? Just, you know, something that I was thinking about, like how courageous they were and how courageous they are being. I know um, in our school, at least I haven't heard a lot of people discuss it in school. Mainly um, the reason how I found out about this tragedy was through social media. So I was wondering, um, do you have any plans for the future for your organizations and kind of like, or goals in the future? Um. Yeah. I totally would love for more like people in schools to discuss what's going on. Um, but at the same time, we kind of discussed this earlier that it's for people in international places that don't have Iranian relatives or friends. Like it's kind of hard to relate, um, especially because most of us have probably never been in situations where 
we need to be that courageous. I, I've never been in that type of situation where my life was on the line. Um, and I don't think that that's, that's a, a very common experience in the U.S. And so I totally think that it would be very important for, for educators to be, to discuss what's going on in classrooms. Um, but I, I'm kind of, now I'm two years out of high school. So maybe I, I just have rose colored glasses of what high school was like and what, issues were discussed in the classroom, but I don't remember many political or human rights issues being discussed in the classroom. So would love for that to change. Um, and I think in terms of just planning, um, I definitely want to be a vocal or big voice um, for Iranian women at Harvard um, and be able to bring together other Iranian people at Harvard. Um, I do know like the freshman class right now there are two people that are from like from born in Iran grew up in Iran at Iran at Harvard um so definitely would want to bring their voices um to the table and be able to amplify their voice and their experiences but there are also some problems because a lot of people with relatives in Iran don't want their name linked to any quotes because of potential problems for their family back home so would definitely have to work around that. Um, and there have been a lot of emails and calls for other protests um, and rallies. So I'm definitely considering organizing another one. Um, it's just hard to be a student and an organizer at the same time. So um, definitely considering potential another potential rally at Harvard. And if not, there will be more rallies in Boston. Um, so definitely would love to continue participating in that but ultimately at the end of the day it's more of just bringing together Iranian voices especially those that have been on the ground and have family that are directly impacted or ha or they individually have been directly impacted to learn more and, and and see from their perspective what we can do to help it's it's really um inspiring how we can all like learn from this and take away so much from her death yeah, just something to add. I think just wanted to mention that Iranian women have almost always been this resilient. I don't think there's ever been a period in history that Iranian women, um, especially through times of political strife, haven't spoken out. And so I think now this goes to show like to into the international community that Iranian women are not weak, that they aren't weak under an oppressive regime um, and that there's so I feel like growing up, I just heard so many misconceptions about Iranian women, which I knew that my family, I knew that I could not identify with. And I know that the mass, the majority of Iranian women cannot identify with. So I think this just goes to show how strong um, and powerful Iranian women are. And I hope that they continue to organize and to rally. And I'm hoping that there will be some positive change sometime soon. I will say too, thank you, Saba, that I think also just the general perception of Iran, there's obviously, there's this regime, but this idea like Iran has had multiple periods in history of progress and of being a progressive nation. And I, I do hope, I always have this perhaps silly hope, but really a hope one day that it's returned more to what it was moving towards years ago. Um, Kendall is our website guru. So what um, I would love is that um, we're going to put some of these wonderful sources and some of the social media that you recommend on the website. 
um, so we can hopefully our listeners can plug in and and check out some of that social media mm-hmm. and spread some of the love um, on theirs as well. Um, I can tell you that I try and educate myself regularly on this, but there's nothing like speaking to someone who's working directly in this way. So I personally want to thank you and thank you on behalf of all of us. I think this has been incredibly enlightening and interesting for me. Um, Certainly motivates me even more to try and speak with others and get the word out. So um, thank you so much for coming on tonight. This is really special. I'll definitely look more into other organizations that are that are doing more and send over to Kendall um, or Esther. I think I have Esther's contact. So um, we'll send over to make sure that the listeners can get more information as well. And I think what you said, Selva, I want to recognize really quickly that like when you said it's hard to be a college student also do this, I think that about Kendall and Esther all the time. Here they are as these beautiful high school students who carve out time during their incredibly busy days to... Uh, create time for this podcast to get these conversations out there into the world to try and promote change or affect change or at least affect really important conversations. So I commend all of you really, because I know it's it's really not easy when you have, uh, you know, homework and classes and activities and everything else that you're doing. So it's really, it's very noteworthy and really impressive that you're all dedicating the time to these really, like you said, human rights causes that are really, I think, pivotal to us um, moving in the direction that I would love to see us go in. Yeah, I, I think I think it's important for our listeners um, to hear this and begin to think about how they can start conversations in their classes, in their history classes, in their sociology classes, in their English classes, in all of their classes, you know, health and well, whatever it is, and to find some thread to begin to have these conversations, even if it doesn't, you know, directly pertain to, you know, a curriculum that they're doing. And, and I would like to see that. I'd like to, you know, see the people that are listening to this and the people that are listening to you, Saba, um, start these conversations because now the conversations need to be had now, you know, they like, need to be had right this, now, this moment, right yeah. now. Yeah, we don't know what's going to happen in Iran. We really don't, especially with the internet shutdown. So the time to have conversations about this and to tell your friends and to share on social media and to really be Iranian women's voices right now. Thank you so much, Sava, for joining us in our podcast today. I think we sure. all learned so much through this conversation, and we advise we um, tell the listeners to have their own conversations at home too because it's an important issue. So thank you so much.